That's why everyone's got a new computer. Good morning. Today is the 10th of ER. I don't know the Gregorian the 25th of the Omer, which means it's May 20 something. No? 18? 18th. Okay. I'm Dan Margulies, filling in for Rabbi Linzer while he's away. And today's daf is Samachet, but we're going to be starting at Samach Zayin, I would bet, right toward the end of the, the um, narrow lines on Samach Zayin, I would bet. The last three narrow lines. Gairu halach achar hapagum shebishenehem. So the Mishnah was talking about basically four different kinds of cases uh, regarding yichus, under which sorts of cases and grouped, I think, using rather interesting descriptions about how different cases of marriage with among people who are maybe not not meant to marry each other, maybe are allowed to marry each other, but how different yichus is transmitted and communicated throughout. And in a case where one or perhaps both of, in this case, both of the parties getting married have converted, um, particularly the concern here is converted from nations who have restrictions on their uh, marital prospects, like Egyptians, Edomites, uh, not Edomites, uh, Ammonites and Moabites. Uh, And so those three nations, Mitzri, Ammoni, and Moabi, uh, there are restrictions about how they can marry into the Jewish people or whom they, whom they have to marry. So they would be allowed to marry uh, converts and mamzerim and things like that, but there will be higher standard for them to not marry into the um, full, fully Jewish or fully uh, acceptably higher higher level yichus uh, Jewish community. So you have to follow the most pagum, that follow from either of them. That's what the Mishnah sounds like. So the, the Gemara asks, Rabbi, what are we talking about? Are we talking about an Egyptian man whose descendants for three generations would not, male descendants would not be allowed to marry into the Jewish people. They would have to still marry converts and things like that. Um, and so if an Egyptian man married an Ammonite woman, my Pagomika, Ammonite, there's no problem of the woman. That is a female Ammonite we know the drasha comes up already in Masechet Yadaim, and it's the discussion uh, imposed by the Midrash on much of uh, Sefer Root is about how much are Moabite and Ammonite women excluded. And the, the Torah Shabal Peh understanding, at least, is that they are not excluded from marrying into the Jewish people at all. And that's why Root was able to marry Boaz, and that's not any kind of a problem. Yeah, I'm sorry, where are you exactly? So the last narrow line of Samach Zayin Amud Bet. <coughs> So there's no problem for a female Ammonite to ha- marry into the Jewish people in this case. So you would follow, her children should be fine. There's no, there's no, there's no um, competing, competing problems of uh, two different kinds of uh, pagum. Rather, because the male, the husband, is Egyptian, so that's a problem. But for his wife, who is an Ammonite convert, there would be no problem. So, the problem is the same. So, the first generation Mitri marries an Ammonite. Right, but then there's no competition. Ammonite is no problem. So, you can't say it's Hapagum Shebishnehem because there's no second Pagum. So a male Ammonite convert who married a female Egyptian convert, so in that case, the husband is Ammonite, so he has a certain level of restriction, which is a high, high level restriction, and Mitzri the, is unisex, that is applied to, or, or non-gendered uh, kind of restriction, and therefore the Mitzri, uh, her descendants would follow the rules of Mitzri, which would be for three generations. So therefore, the Izachar Havi Hai Shadia Batre. 
Abatridide. So if it's, they have a male child, then it should follow the yichus of the father. And if it is a female child, then their daughter would follow the yichus of the mother. That is, if the daughter is born, the daughter would be treated like an Egyptian uh, of second generation. And if a son would be born, it would be treated like an Ammoni, which lasts forever. So how is this like, how is this halachachar problem with Jewish names? Because the, the children, which children follow which parents? So it's not the way I initially would have read the Mishnah, that you would just sort of take yeah. the worst of, yeah, of the two. It actually is this kind of, uh, you split the children based on their genders, how it seems like. So I have another question, which I'm trying to understand. Like, so 2,000 years later, so someone now from, let's say they're... Ah, okay, so this is a very important principle. Assuming that they're Egyptian, right? Let's pretend that we know that they're Egyptian. But we don't. No, I'm just saying. I'm trying to understand first conceptually. So then if they convert, they can only marry a gay or whatever. So how do we know that the Mitzvah generation is the time of Matan Torah? Because they they went out Matan Torah. Well, that's Torah Shabbat Peb, right? Is that the Torah gives you a mitzvah that... So the Torah gives you mitzvot that at least the understanding, you know, traditional understanding is that the mitzvot are meant to last for all generations and therefore the prohibition for a mitzri to marry into the Jewish people for three generations would last any mitzri and any time is still going to have a three generation barrier to entry rather than saying it's just the three generations after you're taking time it's certainly an interesting discussion to have about what the pshat of the pasuk is in terms of it might be a very good pshat but in, ser- in terms of halacha it's always been understood at least as far as I know I haven't done extensive research about it but it's been understood that way uh, that it is whenever someone would convert there's still that three generation barrier and you can imagine three generations is a long time to have restrictions on someone's uh, yichus let's say something like that so that means a person converts their children are born Jewish but they're second generation Mitzri second generation Mitzri marries people who he or she is allowed to marry their children are third generation Mitzri and after that their children would be fine so that's a, a big thing to keep track of okay now we're going to get into a major discussion across Shas and really here is one of the central places which is the question of what causes Manzeris and what what is the link between prohibition of being married uh, or getting married and, and uh, Mamzerus? That is, uh, a Mamzer is someone usually translated as a bastard, but obviously uh, the rules of Mamzer are much more complex and uh, sophisticated than uh, the general colloquialism. And also it's important to note that unlike many people think, a child born out of wedlock between two people who are allowed to marry each other is no mamzer. That's not what mamzerut is about. Mamzerut fundamentally is linked, at least according to most of the Tanaim, to the prohibition upon getting married. Now we're going to see there's a three-way, four-way machloket between the Tanaim. Rabbi Shimon HaTimni says that the reason uh, what causes mamzerus is chayve kritu. That is, whichever arayot, whichever forbidden relationships, uh, which the punishment is karet or mitat beitin, that is capital crimes or karet, those, uh, the kiddushin does not take effect and the children would be mamzerim. Uh, Rabbi Akiva uh, has a much more expansive notion. Rabbi Akiva's position we saw in Yevamot and other places already. Rabbi Akiva thinks that chayve lavin, that is, any prohibited relationship with a negative commandment, there are certain ones, very few, which are chayave uh, asay or isur asay, but most the forbidden marriages are some kind of a prohibition, and therefore Rabbi Akiva says there's no tfisat kiddushin, that means the kiddushin does not work, and the children would be mamzeru. And um, Rabbi Yehoshua has a 
even more narrow opinion than Rabbi Shimon HaTimni, he says the only thing that creates Manzerus is Mitat Beitin. That is, those Arayot, which are actually capital crimes. Um, and many of them are Sreifa, some are Skila, some are Chenek, but things like that, uh, but not those which are punished with Kare. What about in vitro fertilization? Is that? Like, hmm? does it have to have sex, or is it just a unit? Meaning, like... No, so that's exactly the point. That in order for the child to be mamzer, certainly there has to be a sexual relationship. So if you just do but for in the, vitro, there's no mamzera. It could be, that's a major debate uh, that comes out about the in vitro fertilization debate or artificial insemination debate in the post-game. Uh, Ramosha Feinstein famously was, was the permissive opinion about those sort of advanced reproductive technologies. And as far as I know, most people nowadays agree with Ramosha's argument. Uh, the Satmarov uh, was very opposed to any sort of artificial insemination or, or in vitro fertilization. He felt that the doctor administering artificial insemination or something like that would be considered to be uh, the active male party in the, in the fertilization and therefore would be considered an adulterous act. Rav Moshe used many Makaros, I think, to convincingly argue against that, but that was a major debate back when those technologies were first being developed. Um, okay, so... I don't know what's wrong with me there. Did you read the Menachem Emili? No, we're, not, we're about to do that. That is, anyone for whom there is no Kiddushin for him. What did the Mishnah say? Uh, this is the third category. That is, a Mamzer is a case where the, this man and this woman cannot get married, but this woman, in general, could marry another man. That's what the Mishnah suggested. So let's see here. How do we know that that's what causes Mamzerus? Okay, the Amar Rabbi Siyah Bar Abba Amar Bi Yochanan Umatu Ba Mishum Rabbi Yana Ibar Rabbi Acha Brei Diraba Umatu Ba Mishum Rabbi Yosi Haglili. So three different opinions about who said this, but this is the this is the Drasha Amar Kra. The pasuk says Viyatsa Ami Beitova Halacha Bahaital Yishacher. Talking about divorce, the woman leaves this man's house and she can go off and marry another man. Leachirim Velole Krovim. She could marry other people, but not his relatives. And that is, there is not only a prohibition of marriage, which we already know from many other places in the Torah, but also that the Kiddushin would not take effect. That is, when a woman divorces her husband, she would be un- not allowed to marry his father, son, brother, etc. And all of those Krovim, all of those relatives that create the le- levels of Arayot, and then that Russia becomes a basis for excluding any Kiddushin taking effect between Arayot of that level. Exactly. We can do the whole calculus of which drashot work for whom and how, and we're going to see here there's going to be some question about uh, dealing with some hanging drashas about Rabbi Akiva's position, so we're going to see. So, Matkiv love Rabbi Abba. Rabbi Abba asked, the Ema Le'acher, the Lola Ben, so why not just very limited? She can marry someone else, just not this man's son, but not to Krovim in general, relatives in general. Ben no, because the son is mentioned explicitly. Lo yikach ish et aviv. A man is not allowed to marry the um, wife of his father. That is, a woman cannot marry the son of her ex-husband. Um, however, uh, so acher, so. And that pasuk says lo yikach. Now lo yikach means he cannot marry, or is per- it not permitted to marry, but also means that the kiddushin would not take effect. So acher lamali. So then why do I have this pasuk that talks about le ishacher? Um, so shmamina le achirim krovim. So Rabbi Abba's objection is refuted. The ema idi So maybe they're both referring to marrying uh, the ex-husband's son. 
and therefore that would there be no extension to the lack of kedushin for any of the other arayot. Ha lechazchila v'habdi ever, and maybe one says lechazchila, you're not allowed to get married, and but the second pasuk is necessary to teach us v'di ever that even if you tried to get married, it does not work. Lechazchila me'achos isha nafka no. The fact that it's prohibited, we can learn from Achos Isha. Achos Isha, the, your sister's wife. Uh, sister's uh, wife's sister, sorry. Um, so, a man to marry his wife's sister is one of the Arayot. In the beginning of Yivamot, if you remember, and here also is going to form the basis, some kind of a Binyan Av, to extend to all of the Arayot. And that is that, number one, uh, Tsaras Erva is a classically learned from uh, Achos Isha and also here uh, the Arayos uh, the, pro, the E Tvisas Kiddushin Bayaras that is that the Kiddushin does not take effect with other uh, with any of the Arayos so here Achos Isha that is your wife's sister uh, becomes the paradigm uh, for the fact that you could not get married not just that it would be prohibited to get married but the marriage would not take place so Nafka Uma Achos Isha Bekaret just like Achos Isha the punishment is Karet Lo Tekaresh and you cannot get married. We try to learn the Kavachomer from Karet to Chaybemita. That is, uh, capital crimes are even more severe than Karet. And therefore, just like it is impossible to marry your sister's uh, wife's sister, so too any of the Mitot Beitin, that is, uh, Arayot, that the punishment is a cap- capital offense, um, you, we would not be able to get married. Okay. So, the local shikane, you can make that kava homer. So, so, that's her to marry Achos Isha after Geushin. Correct. But what about after the death? After the, the death, wife? that's mentioned explicitly in the Torah. And it's the only exception, right, the death. only erva whose status changes after the, after death, the death, death of another person. So, because we know, we have Drashot, that's the rule. But so, Achos Isha's sister in law. Yeah. And now it's very interesting. At the beginning of Vivamot, the whole tension is between two different sisters-in-law, two different brothers-in-law. That is, your wife's sister becomes the paradigm for the prohibition to do Yibum, the, the exemption from Yibum. But your brother's wife is the, where the mitzvah of Yibum is located. Yeah. It, so that's exactly that tension between two different kinds of in-law relationships. And obviously it tells us a lot about what the Torah sees as the basis of the family unit and how different clans are interacting with each other. There's a lot to say about that if we were learning Yibamos. Okay. It's not a very good Kavachomer. It's not a very good Kavachomer. In that, why? Well, first of all, you want to posit that the reason the Torah requires the death sentence of worst punishment is because the Kiddushin is perfect. Okay, so you could make some kind of an argument there that there's just a, a different level. Meaning, what's more Hamur? Is it more Hamur that the Kiddushin <laughs> should work or is it more Hamur that the Kiddushin should not work? We don't really have any exactly. intuition about that. Okay. So maybe we should say, no, both of them are referring to Achos Isha and therefore we can't make this Kava Chomer because Achos Isha is isolated with its own rule that the Kiddushin does not work for Achos Isha but it can't be extended to everything else. So no, so everything else, all the other areas we have to learn from Achos Isha. Just like Achos Isha is miyuchedet, she's unique erva status in that the kiddushin does not work, uh, and the punishment is karet. And if you did it b'shogeg, you bring a korban chatat, and the kiddushin does not take effect. So we should make a, a binyanav from Achos Isha to say. So too, any erva where the punishment is karet, and uh, therefore you should say that the kiddushin would not 
take hold either. So maybe we should say all of them that that's fine, that works, okay. We have two exceptions. What, just okay. lost in the trees here. What are we trying to do? So we're trying to establish the fact that those arayot for whom the punishment is karate or perhaps mitat beitin as well, those cases, if you tried to get married, the kiddushin would not take effect. <laughs> okay? So, so far the argument has been that's learned from a binyan av from Achot Isha. That is, Achot Isha, your wife's sister, if you would try to marry your wife's sister, in that case, it, the kiddushin would not take effect because the punishment of marrying your wife's sister is karate and Karate and with explicit, it seems that the kiddushin would not take effect. Therefore, we could extend that to every other erva whose punishment is karate. The, the Gemara assumes that karate is a, a more kamor punishment than mitat. No, is less uh, less kamor. Right? Less kamor. Whatever karate is, and it's I think a five-way machloket in the Rishonim what karate is, but what, premature, premature death or dying without children yeah, or some kind of spiritual punishment right. to your neshama after you die. Uh, there's a lot of a lot written in the Rambam in Marnevuchim discussed extensively. Um, okay, so even if we're able to learn from Achor Isha, there's still going to be two exceptions. Eshet Ish and Eshet Ach. Eshet Ish, a married woman in general, and Eshet Ach, exactly the opposite kind of uh, sister-in-law that is your brother's uh, wife. Now, your brother's wife could be the same person as your sister's, uh, your wife's sister, because that's the classic case of Taras Erva. That is, two brothers, each of them married two sisters. So then, the two wives are sisters and the two husbands are brothers and that would be a problem. So we're going to see. So, so Achos Isha is never permissible. There is no exemption for Achos Isha. That's something that beats Yibum. Tomar So Eshet Ach, obviously we know that's when the mitzvah of Yibum applies and therefore there's an exemption. So that level of erva is different or is it certainly less severe than any of the other RIO because there's a special requirement to marry and to procreate with uh, one's um, brother's wife after his death, that's the mitzvah of Yibum, in a sense that would apply to none of the other arayot as a special exemption. Okay? So there's no room for that. And Eshet Ish Nami We can also bring a challenge, we can uh, undermine this binyanav from Eshet Ish. Eshet Ish, just any married woman. So Nami Ikel Nefrach, Ma'la Hanaf Sheken En Laheter Bechayai Osran. Tomar Be'eshet Ish, Yesh Laheter Bechayai Osran. So any of the other arayot, except for Achot Isha, interestingly enough, any of the other arayot, um, there's no heter during the lifetime of the one who created the Isur. That is, and even afterward. Meaning, Achor Isha applies while, when the wife, the wife is still alive. All of the other arayot apply whether or not Chaye Osran at all. They, they apply forever. And Eshet Ish, there's a way to remove the Isur of Eshet Ish during the lifetime of the one who created that Isur. That is, the husband and wife get divorced. So that's a way of reducing the severity of the erva of Eshet Ish. Mm-hmm. Eshet Ish is a lower level Isur in, in that sense. That logically, because there's a way to get out of it, it makes it a less less severe level of erva. And you could not apply this binyan ab to that to say, if you tried to marry a married woman, that the Kiddushim would not work. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, the Akronim try to pick up on this extensively, it sounds like here the discussion about why marrying a married woman does not work is about erva. It doesn't seem like it has anything to do with the fact that a woman can't be married to two men at once or something to do with the Kinyan side of the Kiddush. It really seems like it has to do just with the relational aspect, which is very interesting. It seems to go against a lot of what we've read before. Okay. 
Ella, I'm Rabbi Yona. So what does Rabbi Yona say? A different approach. Or it was So the sum up pasuk at the end of the parsha of Arayot says, whoever does any of these to a vote um, will be will receive karet. And therefore, all of the Arayot are summed up together in one lump category connected to Achot Isha. Ma'achot Isha, lo tafsi bakidushin, just like Achot Isha. You, the Kiddushin does not take effect. Therefore, any of the other Arayot, the Kiddushin would not take effect either. Okay, Toso, just to note, the Toso Minahani Mile, Toso there discusses how much are the lack of Kiddushin and the status of Mamzerut connected. That is, are there cases where they don't necessarily impact each other? And Toso seems to take very strongly that actually one causes the other. Now, it's still the question remains which one causes the other one. Um, there are a lot of other Makoros, especially Nibamos, talking about that extensively. So now, a major challenge to this point. We just said, Okay, so we have a different pasuk. The Samach pasuk at the end of all of the uh, parsha of Arayot connects all the Arayot to Achot Isha. So, what's the major exception that we have to ask about? filu Nida Nami. So, what about Nida? Nida is mentioned in the list of Arayot. A, a menstruant woman is on the list of Erva. But we know, and this is going to Gemara make explicitly, that um, the a child born to a woman who's Nida is obviously not a mamzer, and so therefore the understanding that Nida is um, listed among the Arayot, but is actually qualitatively very different from the other Arayot. Uh, important to note the Tosus HaRash on Yivamot Dafbet, there in the discussion of, a similar discussion about how much the different Arayot are exemptions from the Mitzvah of Yibum. So Tosos on the first half of Yivamos talks about what about Nida? Isn't Nida one of the Arayot also? And so therefore, if one of the wives of the man who passed away was Nida at the time he died, then that would be an exemption based on uh, Tsaras Erva that all of the women would be exempt from doing Yibum. You um, mean that seriously? That's Tosus' question. Now, Tosus has an answer, and Tosus HaRash takes it one step further. Tosus HaRash says, Nida is not called an erva, really. Even though it's on the list of Arayot, fundamentally a different type of erva, and that's similar to the Tosot in Sanhedrin that talks about why the laws of Yichud don't apply equally between, obviously, married partners during uh, Nida period compared to any of the other Arayot. So there are a lot of differences between Nida and other Arayot, and many of the Achronim, particularly uh, Briskers, uh, the, the Briskerav in his um, book on the Rambam in the back has a piece about why is Nida different than other Arayot, and a few other, a few other Achronim pick up on that as a really major distinction between Nida and the rest. How can I call Isha here be the main power down in this structure? Again, if she, if she dies, then her sister becomes a carrot. Yes. So how can there, again if we establish a binyanab, you want it you want an inviolable paradise. Right. They're not picking up on that detail. I guess because that detail is sort of more it's built into Akhodisha. Uh in a way other the other RIO don't have any obvious exemption or ob- obvious way of getting out of them. Well, that's point. Um, that's point. Right, but ju- oh, you'll say that that's meaning you could always challenge the whole construct and say, yeah, but Akhor Isha is less severe right. because of this. Yeah. Talmud is not bothered by that. Talmud is not bothered by that. It, is, it, it, it was mentioned a little bit before about the question of Ein la heter b'chai osran and yesh la heter b'chai osran, but in this new drasha, you could ask the same question on Rabbi Yonah as well. Um, it's a good question. Um, Rabbi Yonah, you know that drasha two lines above. I don't know. Okay. So, Iachia, Filu Nida Nami. 
So what about Nida? And the Rashi here, just to clarify, what case are we talking about? In Kidesh Penuya Nidutta. What if you went and married an unmarried woman during her period of Nida? That's the Havamina, that you would not be able to get married to a woman who is Nida, and that the child would be a Mamzer. So, under that circumstance, now again, the separate question is one of what about if you tried to do Nisuin? during when the woman is needed. That's called chupat nida. Most of the Rishonim think it's not such a problem. The Rambam uh, quotes the opinion that actually the nisuin does not work when the woman is needed and you have to, would have to redo the nisuin or something like that. And in uh, practical cases, there end up being ways that we avoid having to deal with that in, in any serious way, but it can, be a bit com- it can be a bit complicated in real life. But basically, you end up trying to make sure that the husband and wife aren't in yichud together until, until after nida. Uh, it can be a bit of a... Right, they would avoid that in whatever way, either have someone else come with them so that it looks like they're going to Yichud Rubin. It becomes a bit complicated. But you can make it but work. How do they do Nisuin? They do Nisuin afterwards, when they're living together at home the afterwards. The Chuppah could be Yichud also, in other words. Right, or the Chuppah. So they have to have in mind Kiddushay Bia then? No, not Kiddushay Bia. The Kiddushin worked. And then the question is, when does the Nisuin take effect? The Nisuin Bia, whatever. Like, I mean, no, the, the Nisuin uh, will be... Nisuin. Well, well, that's when once they're living together. But that becomes a bit more complicated. Anyway, so Am Amar so according to Abaye, everyone, that is, according to Rishimon HaTimni and Rabbi Hoshua, who would think, well not Rabbi Hoshua, according to Rishimon HaTimni, who thinks any Chayef Kares, the child would be a Mamzer, even he agrees that in the case of Nida, the child is not a Mamzer. That is, Nida is an exception to the role of Chayef Kares. And according to Rabbi Akiva, who thinks that Chayef Lavin, the child, is a Mamzer, even Rabbi Akiva thinks that Sota is an exemption from Chayve Lavin. That is, not just Sota, the whole process of Sota, but also Sota, any woman who, who had an adulterous relationship, uh, that's an Isser Lav for her husband to be with her, but a child born of that relationship afterward. That is, a woman had adulterous with the husband, nonetheless, the child would not be a Mamzer. Um, which is an important exemption as well. Uh, so those two cases, Bival Hanida, Sota, Vlad Mamzer. Amar Amar Krav, Talav. So the Chizkia says it's learned as a special exemption for Nida because the Pasuk says Utihini Datalav is talking about the fact that a man who has sex with a woman while she's in, uh, in her state of Nida he is called a Boel Nida and he acquires the Im- uh, impurity, the Tuma for seven days uh, just like, like she has for seven days. So that's explicit in the Torah but he needs Datalav to make a drasha for the word Vetihi Afilu Bishad Nidata Tehei Ba Havaya that is the word Lihiot is connected in the Torah many times to the idea of marriage. Therefore, it is permissible or is possible to get married to a woman while she's a Nida, even though um, it, it, she is uh, it's a chiyuvei karet. Okay, mifte ika nida ve'ika So then, how come all of the arayot in general you could pick to connect them to Nida, which has a much more permissive approach? That is, Nida we know explicitly from the Torah. Nida you could marry. And Achorisha, we know you cannot marry. It's physically impossible or legally impossible to get married to Achorisha. So we could make this hekesh of all of the arayot could be connected to one or the other. So why did you pick one over the other? So my chazi lahu lachorisha nida. So why can't we just make a hekesh lenida? Kula vechumra lechumra makshinan. So when we have a hekesh, hekesh, we always choose the most machmir thing to connect them to. Now. That's an interesting question methodologically. It's an interesting question. Is it true across all the other Hekashim throughout Shas? So I don't know for sure, but it's certainly an interesting thing to flag as, as one of these sort of calling about how the different Drashot work uh, to think about for other cases that at least the Gemara here suggests 
when you have a choice of two different things to make a hekesh to, you make a hekesh to whatever is the most machmir. Is that, yeah. is that based on a suffix deoraita lechumra? Seems not. This sounds like a rule of drashot. Drashot we understand generally to be vadai. Uh, the rabbinic law that the rabbis have made uh, on a solid footing. So here it seems a bit strange that it's kind of an arbitrary rule almost uh, uh, on how to determine the hekish. But it's something to think about. No, we could learn it from Kalbachomer. Just like a Yevama, another exception. Yevama is an Isr Lab. That is, it's only punishable with lashes. Uh, that is, a woman whose husband died and she doesn't have any children and she has to do Yibum with her brother-in-law, but suppose she would go and try to marry someone else. So we know, in this case, Yevama is only a, a, a Lav prohibition, the least severe kind of prohibition, but low Tafsi Bakidushin. Yevama can't get married, but let's note, that's because, at least seemingly, is based on the understanding that Yesh Zika, that is, the relationship between the Yavam and Yevama, already starts automatically at the time that the brother-in-law, or the brother, uh, died, rather than um, any time later. That is, there is already the beginnings of something almost like a Kiddushin. It's like a, right, just like a proto Some, Somehow like that. So Yevama Lashuk may be somewhat different than other Arayot, uh, or not really Ervas, it's Rav, uh, so couldn't, couldn't we make this Kava Homer, according to Rav Achei Bar Yaakov? So then we would have to extend it to all other Chayve Lavim as well. And we don't want to have to paskin like Rabbi Akiva that every Chayve Lavim you cannot get married to. No, we have an explicit rule that says Chayve Lavim you could be married to. And how do we know? It's based on a Pasuk from Parshat Kitese talking about when a man has two wives and the wife he does not like as much uh, has the older son, he has to choose the older son to be his heir rather than the younger son. That is, the husband, the father, doesn't have the right to favor his uh, favorite wife's children over the older children from his less favored wife. So the Pesach says, One of his wives is Ahuva, beloved, and one is Snua, hated. Does God play favorites? That is, this is God in the Torah describing the man's wives. It's not the man himself describing his wife. So does God know which one is Ahuva and which one is Snua? Ela Ahuva, Ahuva binisueha. Snua, Snua binisueha. It must be that one of them, the Nisuin, the marriage, is favorable in God's eyes. That is, halachically, is a good idea to marry this woman. And one of the wives actually is a woman who is not um, permitted or or favorable to be married to and nonetheless the Nisuin the marriage would work and that's proof that there must be women which a man could marry but nonetheless that he should not be married to that is there must be prohibited relationships which are topsy right they come that you could be married to them and so what about Rabbi Akiva who thinks that there is no way to marry Chayve Lavim so he must be talking about a Kohen Gadol the high priest marrying a widow which is a prohibition not of uh, Lav but actually in Isur Asay the Kohen Gadol is required to marry a woman who had not been married before therefore 
the Isser Aseh, Mitzvah Aseh, because of that is that he could not marry a widow. It's not a law because it's framed in the Torah this week's parsha. He has to marry a woman who wasn't married. That's, so it's, it's the way it's understood based on the drashot. At least now you're saying it's mentioned explicitly in the pasuk that says almana. But the way the Chazal understand the psukim, there's no independent prohibition. It's a lav haba michalasei. It's a prohibition that's derived from the, from the mitzvah say that he has to marry a betula. So I mean, ultimately, like you know, we're trying to establish. You can always say this is different, that's different, that's something. That's you know, right. We seem like we're interpreting it all. Well, like, there at least. So I was just going to say, there, there are at least four categories we have to deal with. We have Isser Ase category, which basically includes Amanala Kohen Gadol and very few things else, as far as I can remember. There are Chayvi Lavin, which is like a Kohen Hedyot marrying a Grusha, or a person marrying a Jewish man marrying a Mamzer, or, or a Jewish woman marrying a Mamzer, uh, and things like that. Uh, then there are the Karate ones, of which there are many, and then there are mitobetin ones, of which there are many. So there, those four categories are what we're operating with, and obviously different tanaim are lining up differently about which do have kiyushin and which don't. It would be good to make a chart. I'm sorry I didn't make a chart. Um, I suppose I could make a chart now. Um, okay, so we have mitobetin, karet, lav, and asay. So Rabbi Akiva thinks that there is no kiddushin for any of these three, but you could marry someone with Yisrasei. Rabbi Shimon HaTimni says that these two, there is no kiddushin. And Rabbi Hoshua says only for Mitat Beitin there is no, uh, no kiddushin. That is, besides that, within Karet and Mitat Beitin, there are a few various exceptions about who has special rules. So, for example, Lavim, everyone agrees also Yavama. There's no Kiddushin. Uh, that's in the Lavim category. And then, some of these we saw about um, Eshet Ach has a special heter in case of the Mitzvah of Yibum. And Eshet Ish has a heter after divorce. So those are exceptions to, in these categories about uh, other specific uh, circumstances. Remember, you're right. So the Lav, the lav though, the Nida is a Lav, isn't it? Nida is Karit. So Nida is also an exception here. That's not, not Nida. And also... I guess he doesn't care. Um, and then, um, for Rabbi Akiva, also not Sota here uh, is an exception. So those are just some of what's going on here. Uh, and there's much more going on as well. Okay, so. So Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says that you cannot, it is impossible to marry So Rabbi Akiva must hold that it's about which is an extended discussion elsewhere. And it's like Rabbi Simai's opinion about what Rabbi Akiva holds. Now there's a machlokas amoraim about what Rabbi Akiva holds, even though we don't pass him by Rabbi Akiva. So let's see. So Rabbi Simai says, the Tani Rabbi Simai Omer, so according to Rabbi Simai, all chayav lavim create mamzerus, except for uh, one exception, which is almana lekoin gadol. That is, almana lekoin gadol is being would create a halal. So that's this discussion of Rabbi Simai. Now it's interesting. At least this discussion puts Almana Lekhoin Gadol under a list of Chayvi Lavim and not under uh, Asay. Um, now maybe I've mixed something up. 
Almana Lekwen Gadol. I'm sorry, Dov was right the whole time. I made a mistake. Almana, a widowed woman marrying Kohen Gadol, is a love. What is an Isarase is a woman who's been sexually active before but not married, marrying the Kohen Gadol. Um, in that she's not an Almana, she's not a Grusha, but she's not a Betua either. And therefore, since she's not a Betua, she could not marry the Kohen Gadol. Okay. So Rabbi Simai, Tanya Rabbi Simai, Omer. Kol min haya Rabbi Kiva Oser Mamzer Chutz Malmana Lekohen Gadol. Shaharei Amra Torah Li Chalel. Hilule Moser Ve'Inosem Mamzerus. Now the Rishonim here pick up on the fact that even though this drasha is about the Kohen Gadol, in fact it should apply as well to co- regular Kohen marrying a Grusha. That is, the child of a Kohen marrying a Grusha will not be a Mamzer, rather would be only a Halal, because the Torah has a special category for the children of Kohanim who've married uh, women who they're not meant to marry, and that's called Halal, which is of a higher level. It's, a, it's one notch down from being a Kohen rather than one notch down from being a regular Israel. So it's still um, a higher level Yichus than Mamzerim. But in what way? I mean, like practically. A Halal can marry any nice Jewish girl he wants. Right. How is it any better than being Israel? It's not better than being Israel. It's, it's, worse it's than better than being a Mamzer. Okay. Right. That's the difference. If a Yisrael has a child, so most relationships that a Yisrael has a relationship with someone is not allowed to marry, then that child will be a mamzer, which is a drastic okay. reduction in Yichus. Uh, from the level of a Kohen having a relationship with someone he's not allowed to, and the child will be a halal, so that halal will be still, in many ways, comparable to a regular Yisrael, in which case it's not so much of an issue. What is the child of a halal? The child of a halal, a male child, will continue to be a halal. The question comes up, what about if a halal marries a Yisraeli, regular Jewish woman, then their children, their girls will be able to marry a Kohen. That was the other day. So that is, the grandson of a Kohen, a granddaughter of a Kohen who had an illegal relationship will be allowed to marry a Kohen again. Um, Does a halal eat truma? A cannot eat truma. Halal is not a Kohen. Oh. A halal is, is cut out from the Kohanim. That's why it's, it's almost nice. A halal could end up having a grandson through his daughter who is a Kohen again. Um, based on lining up the marriages the right way. Um, so there is a way to get out of being halal. To, the way to get out of being a mamzer, there's only one real way, which doesn't work anymore because we don't have slavery. Um, so, uh, okay. They know some mamzer. Rabbi Shavev so disagrees with Rabbi Simai. And what did Rabbi Shavev say? The Amar, Let's go get really upset at Rabbi Akiva. What did Rabbi Akiva say? Shahaya Omer, Kol She'ein Lo Bia Be'Yisrael, Havlad Mamzer. Rabbi Akiva said this absurd statement that anyone who you're not allowed to marry, the child will be a mamzer. And therefore, what is he saying? He's saying that Rabbi Akiva's position makes no sense. That is, Rabbi Akiva's position, he doesn't even, it's not fully spelled out here. Um, but if you take a look in Rashi, Rabbi Kiva said, every relationship that you're not allowed to have, the children are going to be that's crazy. It's just sort of almost the Svara argument against Rabbi Akiva. That is, Rabbi Akiva has created a situation where there will be many, many, many mamzerim. Many more, at least. Um, just because of the fact that not everyone keeps halacha. Um, and mamzerus is a, is a very difficult thing to get out of. Um, <coughs> it's also interesting he doesn't call him Rabbi Akiva. And we see also in a number of places we saw in the second parak as well, this Tzavach Rishlakish Kekruchia, right? Rishlakish got upset at Rabbi Yochanan about Hekish Havai Elysia, so this uh, very animated Beit Midrash, a lot of yelling going on. Okay, 
So, so Rabbi Shavei disagrees with Rabbi Simai's approach because he doesn't think that there's this special limitation by Almanah Kohen Gadol. That is, Rabbi Shavei thinks that Almanah Kohen Gadol, the child will also be a mom there. And that's also a big deal. Now, how many Kohanim Gadolim are there at any one time? Not so many. So it's also not so clear um, why that, of all things, is the thing that throws him over the edge. Um, okay. So we say, Because if this drusha came to uh, undermine Rabbi Simai's opinion, so that makes sense, that it supports Rabbi Shaveh. So the, how do we defend Rabbi Simai? Okay. Uh, Maybe he was saying according to that, So, and then, so how then, what's Rabbi Akiva's only exception is This Kohen Gadol marries a woman who's had sex before, and therefore that's an Isr Asay, because it says, And therefore, uh, that's the only exception that doesn't create a mamzer, according to Rabbi Akiva, is, is Chayvei So according to Chayvei even Rabbi Akiva says it's not a mamzer. But well, it's a very limited case. There's well, the other case is not a mamzer, said. No, that was only according to Rabbi Simai. So he said, if the drasha holds according to uh, Rabbi Shavev, it must be that he thinks it's even all Chayvei Lavim, including Alman Alekhoin Gadol. And not Sota. Sota is the other exception. So Nida would not because we said Hakol Modim that Nida doesn't and Hakol Modim that Sota doesn't so Rabbi Kiva's only two exceptions for Mamzer or three exceptions Nida, Sota and um, uh, Be'ula Lekoin Gadol okay maybe that's Machlokas Amarim right what do you want? So that child, if, Be'ula Lekoin Gadol, according to Rabbi Shavev's understanding, no, according to everyone, Be'ula Lekoin Gadol, the child is not a Mamzer. Sounds like from this, it's not clear. According to at least some of this, it sounds like he would be a Halal, but I'm not sure. I think, I'm not sure we Paskin that he's a Halal, because it's such a low-level provision. Isra Asay. Bitl Asay. Bitl Asay is a very low level prohibition obviously it's a prohibition um, okay I'm sorry so does everyone agree according to Rabbi Akiva that Nida yeah we saw that already Hakol Modim that Nida everyone agrees Nida does not make a mamzer everyone agrees that Sota that is a woman who's been adulterous does not create a mamzer okay Okay, with her husband, that is. If the child comes from the adulterer, obviously the child is a mamzer. And that becomes a question for then, if the child is born soon after an adulterous relationship, you have to end up relying on the chazaka, rov bilo, sachar abal, and things like that, that most of the intimacy between a married couple is between husband and wife, rather than even if there's an adulterous relationship. Uh, and in very few cases, then, we're able, uh, in most cases, we're able to prevent there being a mamzer, even in case of adultery, based on that. Is that a question? Yeah. Then would the I mean, if he, if he has two wives, he marries a, a wife who isn't uh, and he marries this woman who is love, then what's he doing wrong? He is still married a woman who is prohibited to marry, but it's not a prohibition. It is, but it's an isra se. There's an isra se. Yeah, isra se, That's you have to say. So that's an issue. You you're getting into some of the nafkimina kind of questions about how that works. Okay, myshnav mishum dehavile ase sheein shavibakol. But you can't learn from that. It's ein shavibakol. Now you'll say. A grusha for a regular coin is also a lav she'ino shave bakol, but it's at least shave more people than the coin gadol. There's only maybe two, three coinim gadolim at any one time, right? At least there is a flat. So right, there's, there's a whole group of people to whom this applies. The coin gadol is, is a singular, singular kind of a case, so you shouldn't try to be learning from that. Avrabanan ad muki lavim. And so, Nukma So, in the rabbis, that is, those who disagree with Rabbi Akiva, um, held that it applies for a chayve, um, 
Chayvilavim, but not, so why couldn't they just extend it to Chayvilavim as well? If you look at Rashi Rabbanan, that is Chayvilavim, they are allowed, you are allowed to marry, or it's possible to marry Chayvilavim. Um, so, and Rabbi Akiva thinks not. So, why don't the Rabbanan agree with Rabbi Akiva? Well, in other words, that it should apply to Isarasei, and therefore even the Rabbanan should agree with Rabbi Akiva that Chayvilavim, it's impossible to marry. Okay? So why why did they not say like that? Sorry, last place. So what chayve ase are you talking about? So then what are you talking about? Because the pasuk was talking about a case where a man was married to two wives. So which chayve ase are there that you could be married to two of? That's the, or, or one of at once. Meaning, what is it talking about? So. If both of them are Mitzriot, if he married two Egyptian women, Shtehen Sinuot, then they're both bad why, marriages. Why are we saying he's married to people? Because the Pasuk was talking about, mm-hmm. a man who's married to two wives, one of them he's married to is a permissible marriage, and one is a not permitted marriage. Right. So the so Gemara is now trying... So we're trying to say, I don't understand what case you're talking about. If they're both Egyptian, then they're both... Uh, prohibited marriages. And then, if you're talking about a case of one was Egyptian and one was Jewish, then the halacha about uh, inheritance that that pasuk is coming to teach you wouldn't even apply because they have to be two women who come from the same am. And if it's a mitzrit who converted, that's not considered to be uh, two women coming from the same am. So then why, and if it's only talking about that's Rabbi Akiva's position, then, that is, the Kohen Gadol is married to two wives. One was a Be'ula when he married her, and one was Betula when he married her. And he has children from both. He can't favor one over the other. But then it should say, or rather than, uh, and therefore, Rabbi Akiva Baal Korcheich Shavka Lekra Dehavi Dachik Umukiyan Avsheik. So Rabbi Akiva's drasha is understood to be very obviously uh, difficult to fit into the pasuk. That is the Rabbanan's position that it could apply very broadly to many different types of people married to many different types of women is understandable. In that otherwise the pasuk would have been more explicit. And therefore, Rabbi Akiva's drasha that the only thing that this halacha applies to a man married to two wives and one of them he's not allowed to be married to and one he is allowed to be married to that only works for Kohen marrying a Be'ula, and that's such a limited case that the Torah, it's Ikar Chasim in Asefer. It should have, if, if that's really what it was talking about, it should have been mentioned explicitly, and that's at least part of why we reject Rabbi Akiva's position. Is that Rabbi Akiva thinks that one that's the only case that Rabbi Akiva thinks the Pasuk is talking so, about. So, and a Kohen married... A, a Kohen Gadol who married two wives, one of them Betula and one of them Betula. The, argu- the argument is just because this, in this one tiny exceptional case... Uh, that it, it doesn't apply. Right. It doesn't mean that it does apply to every other case that you could easily right. imagine. Right. But so the Rabbanan scooched back one one layer into Chayve Lavim. That is, Rabbanan understand that Kiddushin are toface by Chayve Lavim. That is, a coin marries a Grusha, uh, Yisrael marries a Mamzer. Those kinds of cases, the Kid- Mamzer, yeah. So the Kiddushin is toface. Execution works, and the child will be whatever the child should be. An interesting exception, right? Marrying a mamzer, the child will be a mamzer even if the marriage worked. That's an exception to the rules of mamzer. So that's also an interesting kind of thing. Uh, anyway, it's not an exception. It's just it's kind of the flip side. 
uh, once you're in, you can't escape. Okay. Okay, the Chol Misha Ein Lalav Kedushin. So now, the last case in the Mishnah was anyone for whom uh, not only can she not marry this man, she also can't marry any man. And the exa- two examples are Shifcha, a slave, and Nochrit, a non-Jewish woman. So what is the Gemara going to say? So how do we know then the rule there in the Mishnah is that they follow the mother's status, Right? Um, so that is the status of the child follows the mother in the case where this woman cannot marry this man and also cannot marry any Jewish man so why, how do we learn this how do I know that a shifcha kananit her children will all be counted as slaves and not follow the father's status this is when Abraham is going to the Akedah and he tells uh, Eliezer, his servant, to stay with the uh, donkey. And therefore, because the, the nation, that is, slaves, are considered to be similar, at least in some ways, to uh, animals in that they don't have kiddushin. Um, that's it. obviously a very harsh drasha to use to learn such a basic halacha, but we know from a variety of other places that slaves don't have kiddushin, and therefore, since they don't have kiddushin, um, but not just that, so kiddushin. So that's just a drasha to learn that there's no kiddushin with slaves. Wait a second, in other words, the comparison between a non-Israelite and a mule. Not a non-Israelite, a slave. A slave. A, a, right. A, 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 Eved Kanani. Eved Kanani. And yes. a mule. Yes. Is I mean, I, very harsh. No, yeah, forget <laughs> how to... to but it's understood to be... offensive at all. Yes. It's on a bracket all of those emotional right. for a moment. But is so, that there's no kedushin. In other words, but there's something missing in that. Like you could come up with all sorts of implications. Correct. And in fact, one of the similar drashot that comes up in the beginning of Avodah Zarah, the discussion about whether or not a non-Jewish corpse is metameh the ohel or not. Because it says, Adam ki amut ba'ohel, atem mikre adam ve'ein of the Avodah Zarah mikre adam. So, obviously the context there, and that's machloket tanaim, about whether or not uh, a non-Jewish corpse is mitameh be'ohel, um, but there again, it's getting into almost a very deeply racial distinction between right. Jews and non-Jews. Now, once you have a mindset in which the identity of this human being in some ways is legally not fully human, right? then you could draw any random implication you wanted in, in specific context. This and we don't. Kiddushin apl- does Kiddushin apply? Kiddushin does not apply to non-Jews. That's what we know. Uh, if you look in the Rambam Hilchot Malachim Perektet, the Rambam there talks about the rules of Erva for Ben Noach, and obviously Eshet Ish, a married woman, is one of the Rayot. So how do Bnei Noach get married or divorced? For them, it's much more simple. It's the way the Rambam describes in Perak Aleph and Hilchot Ishud as well, the way it was for the, the Jewish nation before there was Matan Torah. That is, people want to live together, they move in together. If they want to break up the relationship, they break up. It's very simple. There's no formalized quality. So for Kiddushin and for Gerushin, there's a much more formalized, legalized process, and that's what adds that additional halachic layer which sanctifies and raises the value of, of the marriage in, in the eyes of halacha. Uh, much more to talk about that at another time. Okay, so here at least we have Shivulachem Poimachamor, Am Hadomelachamor. So non Jews or slaves at least are compared to a donkey. Eshkhandulah said Kiddushin, so we know that Kiddushin doesn't work. Vladakh Mota Minalan. 
so how do we know then that the child of a Shifcha Knanit is compared to her, is like her, and therefore we will still be a slave? If an Evid Ivri marries a Shifcha Knanit, which is one of the powers that the uh, slave master has over him, then the children born to him from the Shifcha Knanit remain with the slave master. That is, Haisha Viladat Yeladunah. Therefore, the children remain slaves. They're Eved Knani slaves. Uh, and therefore, um, the children follow the mother's status rather than the father. Right. I don't know. Interpret it the other way. I feel like also. what that the, even though they remain slaves, the, their father could take them with him or something. Yeah, or that it goes by the father, right? Right. That, like, but that's what it says in the passage, right? I mean, one of the reasons why the Adon has that power over his Eved Ivri and his Shifcha Knanit is that perhaps the most humane way of having more slaves rather than kidnapping people or capturing people in war is to have the slaves you already own procreate. So, uh, in that respect, um, it, it, it makes a certain amount of economic sense. Uh, we can talk about the ethics of it as well. Uh, but, that is, if a, a woman who is a slave has children, those children are also uh, retained by the same slave master. So, right, exactly. Uh, it's explicit in the Pasuk the question is sort of how do we understand it in a broader frame okay how do we know about now this is just a non-Jewish woman a non-Jewish woman has a relationship with a Jewish man the children will remain non-Jewish and this is central for the obviously discussions about um, patrilineal descent and all sorts of things so you're not allowed to marry them so therefore, there's no kiddushin with non-Jews. Now, Tosos's objection here. No, they just the opposite. Meaning, if you would, why would you say lo Obviously, mean the marriage would work. Okay, so, so to do. okay, so that's going to be that comes up in some of the Rishonim as well. Tosos's objection is that that pasuk lo bam is talking specifically about Zayin Amamim. That's talking about the Canaanites, specifically the seven Canaanite nations for whom there's a special. Uh, mitzvah to kill them when we enter the land. There's a special mitzvah that we're not supposed to marry them. It's much heightened level uh, of connection uh, of prohibition. And if you see the Rashi, a very long Rashi, the Darish time of the crowd, we'll get to that in a minute. But there, Rashi distinguishes between the seven Canaanite nations and the other non-Jews based on the seven Canaanite nations have a much more heightened, uh, deeply entrenched uh, connection to their Abu Dazara and quotes the Gemara from Chulin, which becomes a major discussion all of the Abu Dazara sugyas, which is talking about umot non-Jews who live outside of the land of Israel are not considered to be idol worshippers why? that's just called they do what their parents did but in Eretz Israel the non-Jews are really from that's the understanding is that Canaanites are really really dedicated to Avodah Zarah and that's what's most disturbing about them and that's why we had to eradicate them genocide etc becomes very problematic in the in a modern lens but the understanding is that they are very deeply entrenched in their Avodah Zarah in a way very different from other nations that is other nations even even if they look like they're worshipping idols eh they're just doing it because that's how they grew up but in Eretz Israel. They really, they really take it seriously. A Haredi uh, uh, version of of the of Adazara. right? So that's an interesting discussion there about um, sort of Rashi quotes that Gemara and Tosfo uses that in a number of places to try to be much more lenient about relationships with Christians in medieval Europe and obviously extended. Uh, that's in the big Rashi towards the bottom, uh, the Darsh time of the crowd. We'll get to that in a sec. Okay, so we show you that. Okay, Nochrit. 
You're not allowed to marry them. So now Michael's objection is for sure. That is, it sounds like either could mean it is impossible to marry them, or there is even though it's possible to marry them, there's a prohibition to marry them. But at least the Gemara here understands it is impossible to marry uh, non-Jews, and therefore she or he that is the, if your son marries a non-Jewish woman then his okay right that the the young man who is now married a non-Jewish woman his non-Jewish father-in-law will lead him astray to worship Abu Razara and he'll, he will no longer be in the Jewish fold so how do we know Bincha Habam Yisraeli Kawari Bincha your son who comes from a Jewish woman is called your son that is one generation down because your son has been taken away from the Jewish people that is even the next generation if you have grandchildren born from this non-Jewish woman they won't be Jewish anymore so that's what the Pasuk is, is being read to, to say Ella Bina but if you have a the son of your daughter who was born to a non-Jewish man, he is called your son. That is, if you have grandchildren from a Jewish woman and a non-Jewish man, they are called your children, your grandchildren. So But doesn't Ravina say that the children born between in either a non-Jewish man or a slave who had, who had a relationship with a Jewish woman that the child, even though the child is Jewish, but the child should be a mamzer, nehedi kasher, so, havlad mamzer, nehedi kasher, lohavi mamzer, so, kasher havi, mamzer, lohavi, so then you should say that, in that case, no, because it's kasher, that is, once you're saying that this relationship, um, so how can Ravina disagree with this pressure? That is that when you're saying that a kasher, that is once the relationship is not uh, totally excluded, once the child is going to be a Jewish child, so then you should say, okay, he's not a, not a mamzer either. So, puzzle mikri, but he's still called a puzzle. That is, uh, if a eved or a mamzer has a child with a Jewish woman, the child will not be uh, not, not a mamzer. Eved or a non-Jew has a child with a Jewish woman. The child is not a mamzer. The child is pasul akuna. So that's what one generation down. Um, okay, so I think it's a good place to stop. Uh, just to note, uh, already this what Tosos picks up in Hahu Mishiva Goimtiv Sharumos Minalan. So then it's from so that pasuk is explicit. It's about seven nations, the seven Canaanite nations. How do we know that applies to other non-Jewish nations as well? So Amar Krak Yasirat Bincha Lerabot Kol Hamesirim. So that includes anyone who would take your child away from the Jewish nation. That is, any non-Jewish woman that would be equivalent. So, Hanikh Rabbi Shimon, the Darish time of the Krah. So we should agree that that works for Rabbi Shimon because Rabbi Shimon is Darish time of the Krah. That is, he understands that the context is all about whoever your child marries, the children are not going to grow up Jewish. So obviously, that's kol hamesirim. Anyone who's not a Jewish person who marries your son, the children are not going to grow up Jewish. So Ella, the Rabbanan against Rabbi Shimon do not darish time of the Kra. They don't apply that understanding of the context and the meaning of the Pasuk to the halachic conclusion. So my time on Kra. From the Pasuk describing case of Yifat um, Toar, a captive woman in war, um, you're only allowed to marry her and have sex with her 
after something. So Michlal de Mikarlo Tafsiba Kedushin. That means initially, at some point initially, it was impossible to have Kedushin with her, and therefore, um, uh, uh, only after that whole process does she become permitted. So Eshkarandalo Tafsiba Kedushin. We know that the Kedushin doesn't work a lot at Kmotam in Alan. Amarkrat, Yenel Ish, Vialdulo. So, Kiti Yenel Ish, when a man has children, Vialdulo. And whoever's uh, children are born to his wives, but it, it's counted after their mothers, the Yaldulo, the women uh, raise, raise the children, or the women give birth to the children. So, Whoever you are able to marry, those women are the ones who that your children will be called after the father's name. But any case where you're not able to marry, then they would only follow after the mother.